0: Hey podcast humans on this episode it's a little different than what I usually post because of what's happening you know I, I feel strongly about the judicial system and the injustices that are happening because I have to see people that look like the people I love on a daily basis being villainized on the news or being murdered on the news. So, um, I know I promised y'all like I would do stories about me growing up and most of them are funny, but this is a little bit of insight to where I come from and some of it might be funny, but most of it's very real and true and relates to what's going on today in the world and why I stand where I stand. So... Welcome to the Asian with the Good Hair. Hey guys, it's Jay. Um, So, I know the last two weeks have been super crazy. I felt super overwhelmed and just torn a lot of times too because you know, I'll give you all a little background on myself. So, I grew up in Long Beach, California and then at around age 11 ended up moving to Dubuque, Iowa because of the gang violence in Long Beach and my parents felt we'd have a better chance at um, doing well in in Iowa and and for the most part that was actually very true because there was no gang violence in Iowa but there also wasn't any diversity in Iowa. So growing up uh, I I was raised by my Filipino mother and it, it's weird because a lot of Filipinos don't want to admit this or don't want to hear this about their own parents especially the ones that have immigrated here but they are very very racist towards black people. Um, growing up I, I would hear the the n-word all the time and uh like it was like it was nothing like my my mom you know I, I I used to try to make an excuse about it like she doesn't know what she's saying because maybe in her native country that that might have been okay you know and 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 wildly, widely accepted because I I understood like things weren't always the same because just moving from California to Iowa things were v- vastly different but you know, my dad, who, who who's a white guy, he, he's not my biological father, but he is my dad. And um, he wasn't as openly racist as my mom. And I, I don't want to say he was maliciously racist. I think he had a lot of implicit biases because he did grow up in Dubuque, Iowa. And there, it's hard for you to understand racism when there is nobody around to be racist toward. They, if everybody looks like you and there's no conflict in the sense of, that you can't blame another person for something that may have happened to you because they look different than you or they they have different whatever the matter of the fact they have different skin than you then then how can there truly be racism, you know, because in America we, we want to categorize people as black white and, and pretty much all the rest of us are other and and I, I I mean I fall into the other I'm very lucky I feel a lot of times because I can switch from being within the white community and very accepted and then within the black community and very accepted and, and and just almost anywhere I go because of the ambiguity of, of the way I look I, I, can, I, I can do those things and, and I, I'm a very just accepting person in general like I, I, I love people of all different ethnicities and, and pigmentation and, and even like socioeconomic groups because I, I, I want to understand people and, and for some reason people find it very easy to speak to me about almost anything. So, I just, first and foremost, I want to say this to a lot of people that have been reaching out to me over the past couple weeks, I'm not your racist ally. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm very accepting of you having an opinion, though as racist as it is and as ignorant as it may be, that's fine, that's your opinion, but you will not change my mind on what is going on in America. and. even if you send me Candace Owens, um, videos, I I don't agree with her because she is a strong outlier in the black community and she doesn't share the same moral beliefs that I do. And she has good points, good points, just the way she wants to go about flaunting those points and, and and talking poorly about her own people. That is a, a terrible, terrible thing. Like, I don't understand how you're saying you want to help the community, but then in front of, in front of the, um, the public eye, you know, outside of the home, you want to talk them down and you, you put yourself above those people when those are your people, so-called black community. Because in reality, she wouldn't be where she's at without that community. So, um... So let's not get it twisted to all my my people or associates that, that that do think maybe because I'm just so ambiguous and and think that, you know, I have a white dad and I was I was raised by white people. I do not know my biological father's family that well. I I know of them, but I, I mean, I didn't grow up with them. I didn't meet them until I was near 20. And then I don't know any of my biological mother's, like, I don't know any of her family. I only know my dad's family, and that's who I grew up with. I grew up in Middle America, where there were only white people, and oftentimes by those white people, I was called names like Spick, the N-word, like, I... If you look at my picture, if you have seen me in real life and you have really like been um, integrated with the black community or even just have a black friend, you would think that that's very, like I look very far from a black person and I'm not offended by those things. I am offended by the fact that where I lived, there was so little diversity that another human being would think it was okay to call another human being by a degrading name, okay? So anyway, but that's how I grew up, and you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy because I also l- learned a lot about myself through the last couple of weeks because... Like, I remember growing up, and my dad once said the N-word. And I have, I still have a proof of this happening. Because when he said the N-word, I got so mad. I was so mad. I'm like, because I could understand that that was a bad thing. And that was degrading to to a group of people. And I remember, I grabbed a pencil. I grabbed his foot. And I went to go, like, stab his foot with the pencil, and he pulled his foot away, and I stabbed my hand. Like, I stabbed my hand. I still have the, the lead mark in my hand because of this. And, you know, I oftentimes think, like, why did I get so mad? And then I'm like, why did I get so mad? He wasn't calling me a name. He would. But it's because, it's because of the principle of treating other people with dignity and respect. Like, and, and to me, that is all that Black Lives Matter movement is wanting, is that there is dignity and respect, not only for all the white people, because they, they, for the most part, get treated with dignity and respect. And and then, but, but we're just watching people die in the streets. And there's this, this senselessness of like, okay, well, you know, they don't look like me. Or they're not held up like I am within our society. So why does it matter that we kill them? Like, And that's how I feel when I watch video after video. I couldn't even watch that movie Um, When They See Us. I literally watched 20 minutes of it. And when I saw the, the youngest boy, the youngest boy that was a part of that whole situation get brought up into the police station how scared he was and just seeing his his eyes like that reminded me of my nephew who is half black like the innocence in his eyes it it, it, it it like broke my heart because I see my nephew and he never wants to do anything wrong he doesn't he always wants to be the good kid he want he wants to be that outstanding citizen I remember once, I said to him, and, and this is like these are things that make me so angry about this whole situation, is I I remember once I said, Jordan, who's who's better at math, you or your friend, and who's better at spelling? And he was like, Well, we're both good at it. You know, I might have got a higher grade in one thing, and he he didn't get a good grade, but we're both still good at it. Like he didn't want to say like, hey, I'm better than somebody else. He was, it was it was so innocent that he just, and and in that movie, that kid was only like 10 years old. And that was how old my nephew was when he said, nobody's really better at anything. People are just good at things. And I don't want to say I'm better than somebody else because everybody's good at stuff. And like, I was like, that's so crazy because my nephew has that empathy now and I want him to always have that empathy of giving that grace and dignity to human beings and I think that's what's making me so like mad about people reaching out to me and me having to explain why black lives matter and why I care about black lives mattering. I love my wife who is a black woman, and though people are talking about black men being shot down in the streets and killed in the streets, she is equally affected. She has a black father. She has a black brother. We have a, a, two black nephews and a black niece. She, we have a brother-in-law that's black, and it's, it's like you don't get like how it affects the entire community just because i'm i'm married to a black woman doesn't mean like all these other implications don't happen when her father gets shot or killed by police like i would be devastated and she would be devastated if our nephew from my side of the family was Fit a profile at four foot of a six foot two black man, but was shot down because he was just in an area that maybe this six foot two black man is, and my nephew is four foot like five. Like it's crazy to me how people want to refuse systematic racism, but until it truly affects you, you're you're you may never get it because. You, Your successes are based off of the failures of that community. And if you don't want to see it, that's fine. But don't reach out to me to be your ally because you're like, oh, she was raised in Iowa with a white dad and, and all these things. Like We don't connect that way because my wife asked me a question I've never been asked in my life before, and it was, it was kind of like eye-opening. She was like, "Jamie, right. how is it that, like, you were raised in in a community where there was no diversity and there was no, you know, like, your parents, like, your dad may not have been aggressively racist like your mom was. How was it that you overcame? Because a lot of these things are taught, right? We don't... We're not born racist. We're, we're just not. And... um you know, I had to think long and hard about that. I, I did I, I thought long and hard. I'm like, how is it that okay, my mom and, and her culture, her culture, Filipinos are notoriously racist. And if if they deny it, they're they're a first generation or they're an Americanized Filipino. But I I'm telling you, I grew up in the community, especially in California, and I know a lot of Filipinos and especially the the Filipinos that immigrated to America, they're very racist. So, towards black people. And then, you know, my dad had implicit biases. Because he he did freely use the N-word. He had black friends and these things. And, you know, like, I, I love my dad because he is the nicest man ever. Like, he was my best friend growing up and all these things, right? But, like... He did. He does have implicit biases. He w- he says things sometimes, and it's like, yo, dad, you gotta kind of chill out. But I thought about that question. I I really did. I'm like, how how didn't I have these like thoughts or or implicit biases? I actually took this test today that showed like I am I'm more like biased towards white people than I am towards black people, and I think it's because though. My parents were both the way they were, and then... But I grew up in a very diverse, diverse culture in Long Beach. Like, I, I didn't have any... I didn't know any white kids because where I grew up, there, my dad was literally the only white person in my entire neighborhood. Where I went to school, there were, there were a lot of Asian kids, a lot of black kids, and... um. And there were no white kids, like it was mainly Asian and black kids and then there were some Hispanics but I I think at that time a majority of the Hispanics went to another school because their first language was um, Spanish where kind of all of us went to this other school because everybody either spoke English or spoke some sort of like Asian language. So anyway, so, um, but there at that school I, I had a lot of black friends. Because, again, like, first generation Asians have very, um, they're, Asians as a whole, they don't even like each other. They're racist towards each other. But, like, I fit in and made a lot of black friends. And those were my first experiences of friendship were with black people. So I, I felt super accepted. And then I moved to Iowa. And... It was very hard for me in Iowa to even make friends because they thought I was a Hispanic. And then, you know, and that wasn't like the biggest deal. It was more so like how they treated me less than them. And it was odd to me because my friends in California, we always just treated... We're in grade school. We just treated each other like kids, you know. But like in Iowa, it was different though my family I know loved me it was I always felt like I was just kind of accepted into the family because my dad was my dad and he he wasn't going to not let me be accepted in the family i think he would have walked away from his family before he would have walked away from from us so um So that was kind of like my experience because I remember like when I went to school in Iowa, we had classes about it wasn't even about racism. It was more so sociology classes. And and I remember people would talk about people of color in general like like they were just outsiders. And, And and you know, like as the only brown person in the class, you're kind of looking around like, holy cow, they're talking about me. And, I, and I, I can to this day say I don't have any true best friends from high school except for the one black guy that came into high school that was a grade younger than me. And we didn't even truly become friends until maybe my junior year of high school because we didn't interact that much. But I have no friends from like the fifth grade. Through high school. Like, I don't keep in touch with those people. Because in school, those kids were extremely not accepting. Like, I never hung out with them outside of school because it was, like, I feel that, I I mean, like, to me, it was probably because I was brown. And I don't know if everybody was in on the joke that, oh, you know, she's a lesbian. Because that was another, that was another probably playing factor in it because I didn't have any... I I am maybe I gave off too much of a gay vibe even though I wasn't openly gay or really even knew what to label myself in high school but I will say when you grow up in a place where a person will drive their truck past a house where two 12-year-old girls are playing and this is why that um that, that Aubrey guy's um, video really shook me because I remember one of our first years living in Iowa, my twin sister and I were playing outside in the front yard. Our front yard is huge because everything in Iowa, you have a lot of land and yard and even in the city, but there were guys driving by and, you know, they scream, "spick" to us. And there's like three guys in the back of this white truck and then the guy that's driving and people in the cab. And, you know, like us being like 12, 13-year-old kids, of course we flip them off because they're yelling derogatory things to us. And they flip the the truck around and throw beer cans at 13-year-old girls. These are grown ass men throwing beer cans, half full beer cans at 13-year-old girls. So. I'm not sexist or anything, but okay, what grown adult finds two 13-year-old girls threatening when they're the ones screaming derogatories towards them? Enough to then turn a vehicle around and throw half-full cans of beer at these kids. You know who does that? Is entitled people who think that they can just do whatever they want to a person that they deemed lesser than them and that's what's happening in the judicial system right now is that there are people within these within the ranks that are saying okay you know what these are the people that are lesser and we don't have to worry about their lives as much as we have to worry about these people's lives and that's why so many unarmed black people black men are being Killed at a higher rate than unarmed white men. Or even, you know, like, if you want to look at the statistics, unarmed black men are killed at a higher rate than anybody else. And it's sad. Especially when (laughs) it's for such meaningless crimes. Meaningless. Things that you wouldn't even arrest another person for. So... Back to where my wife asked me that question about how I didn't develop these these like implicit biases. And I think it's because I first off grew up where my best friends were. My first real friendship and relationships were with other black kids. And then I moved somewhere where... You know, people will say, Oh, it's not racist in Iowa. I, I am here to tell you it is very hard to deem racism when there is nobody there that doesn't look like you. Okay? And it's it, it it's obvious to a per to an outsider that comes there at the age of eleven that people are extremely racist. That they, they're racist because you know, you don't look like them, so they treat you lesser than them. Like, I, I I, remember a kid, this boy, because I was very athletic, even as a young child, and um, I remember a boy called me a Mexican right as he tackled me to the ground and gave me a concussion because I was playing football with them, and I was the only brown person there, boy or girl. Only brown person, but like, why did he think it was okay to to call me? Some, first, off, you called me out of my name, and then you know, like, I I'm I'm not racially, I'm not ethnically Mexican. I'm ethnically Filipino. So so, I think this is where it all develops. Like people want to say there's not racism, but there is. Like I grew up in it and. And in community and in the house. And I think the only reason I grew up differently than a lot of other people, especially Asians, is because, first off, nobody ever believes me when I tell them I'm Asian. And because at the time I grew up in Iowa, I was one of very, I I think I may have graduated with, there was myself, my twin sister, like three other Asian girls, and a co- like there were less than, there were less than 10 brown people in my class, and we had like over 350 people graduate from our class. So when, when you're, you're not the Asian looking person, first off, because like everybody knows this, Asians are the model minority, and then, you know, people don't know if you're Hispanic, black, or whatever else they could have thought I was other than Asian. then now I'm now I'm the outlier. But I think that's why I grew up not to to really think the way that I, I could have thought because, you know, like I could have blamed a lot of things on like, oh, you know black people are bad because and that's why people were so mean to me is because they had all these biases towards black people so black people must be bad but no like i i i didn't have those biases because i know what it's like to be judged before like before anybody even gets to know your name or know your story and i don't even think that's even i don't think that's fair And then, on top of that, it's funny because a majority of people are scared of black people. But because of how I grew up, I'm far more scared of what a white person might do to me in retaliation of like calling them out than I would ever be of a black person. Like, so I don't even understand how that's even an issue either. It's like people are like, well, black people are scary. I don't know, like I see I see the most vicious and violent things happen from white people over just having like trying to have an open discussion than I think I've ever seen from a black person over really anything. I mean, I know people have their moments and anybody's anybody's really um capable of anything but think as a culture we have to stop looking at people that are that are black can be the most violent because in history if you look at history they're actually the least violent so we have to stop villainizing them because of the color of their skin instead of like and then like Making our heroes these light people. So, I don't know. Like, it it kind of, this is worrisome because people are still trying to villainize, like, black people. Even, like, even when they show rioting and looting, right? I don't see pictures of white people. And I know there are white people there looting and rioting. But we only see the black people. We, uh, We see, like, these big black people that are looting and rioting, but... We're the white people that I know are looting and rioting. We don't see them because we want to continuously villainize the people that are being oppressed, and that's what we need to get away from. All people are capable of anything, and if 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 we thought of that as a society, thought like that as a society, that all people are capable of anything to include empathy and compassion, and reason then maybe maybe our society would be very very different but we we categorize everybody we say oh these people like asian people are weak they're not going to do anything so we don't need to shoot them or kill them white people like they're going to compromise they'll 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 cooperate but then we we look at black people and even when they're cooperating we're like we villainize them and still make it out to be like hey they're not gonna they're not cooperating. I don't I don't know like I, I too watch these videos and I don't understand Like I've I've done classes and I've been through some training and And a lot of the things that are happening when I'm hearing somebody say stop resisting and I'm watching something else It's kind of like um watching like it, it's like you're watching a voiceover of like somebody saying the opposite of what's actually happening so I think that's the biggest thing is we need to stop normalizing black people as the villains and and then s- start showing like them in the light of like true empathy because again like I said if we just look at history in general there would be you would see that they are not the villains that we make them out to be they are actually like the most compassionate empathetic. And, and group, like, the group is better as a whole type people. So, I don't know. Like, again, I, I'm going to repeat this one more time at the end. I am not your racist ally. Though you may think because I was raised in a white community and by a white father, I am not your racist ally. So if you feel that way, please do not reach out to me. And this all may offend you. But... I I don't care